What up, what up? Welcome to Mind Your Hive's Beekeeping Podcast. It is episode 22, I think. I love the number 22. Uh, I'm your host, Greg Lehman. I'm here with my beautiful wife, Kara Jo. Hello, hello. Um, and yeah, it's been a minute, folks. Yeah, we've been real busy. Dude, we've been... We've been trying to do a podcast <laughs> it's been so this we're this is basically the craziest thing we've ever done in our life we're in the middle of this just absolute craziness uh we're excited to like tell you guys way more about it we can't right now i know just know some like super awesome stuff is coming and yeah. we're gonna be doing making some big moves you know we got some legal stuff to take care of so we can't quite tell you right now but uh but soon, I feel like. Yeah, totally. Soon. It's going to happen soon. Yeah. Um, but it's not for lack of trying, but I'm sorry. And that... it's why kind of we're outside right now doing this podcast. It's yeah. Because we're like, we have to do it and we have to do it where we're at. And where we're at is basically outside. So. Yeah. So we're in the basically in the middle of like a wildlife sanctuary right now. I don't know if you can hear all of the birds and whatever, insects and everything, but... uh. It sounds awesome in my earphones. And it's dark. I mean, it's late, so maybe we'll hear some owls or something later. Sweet. Um, so, yeah, we're going to, this episode is going to be all about splitting and how we split hives. And, oh, wait, hold, what's that? Oh, that sounded good. That was a good one. This Cheers. is a special beer. It is a special beer. Uh, shout out to our friends at Threes Brewing in New York City. Um, Threes Brewing in Brooklyn. We love Threes. Ooh, it's good. Our buddy Matt. So Threes did a collaboration with Forest of Maine here um, in Ambler, Pennsylvania, and they used our honey. So this is a dark mild, a dark, an oak aged English dark mild with honey. Um, I'm just going to read the back of it because this is awesome. Threes, we love threes. We've talked about threes so many times. There are dudes. Shout out. What's up, Matt? Um, Matt Levy is the man. He's a uh, director of operations, head brewer. He's getting shit done over there. And uh, he's used our honey a bunch of times. It's just somebody I really enjoy hanging out with and talking beer with. But uh, yeah, so here are the notes. Bright floral aromatics meet soft vanilla in our take on the classic pub style ale brewed with the masters of mild forest of Maine, cold conditioned in oak barrels and fermented with sustainably harvested honey from Carajo Bee Farm. Yes. This is actually the first beer that says Carajo Bee Farm. Yeah, they always said mind your hives. Yeah, because before we had Car- we have Carajo Skincare and, and we sell our honey through CarajoSkincare.com. But it kind of looks weird on a beer being like honey from Carajo Skincare. So and people would tag like, oh, this honey from Carajo Skincare. And we're like, uh, that's weird. Yeah, it just came up. I don't know. It just looked weird. People still did it, which was great because they were trying to make sure we got the shout out. But uh, once we really honey sales started getting a lot bigger and we were selling to a lot more breweries and now we've launched Hot Honey, we kind of took the honey thing to the other side and we call it Carajo Bee Farm. Um, Carajo Bee and Herb Farm. Well, because it's Carajo Skincare and Bee Farm, and it yeah. had been that. And then we just basically made it. All we did was make a logo and an Instagram account. <laughs> Separate. <laughs> uh, but yeah, oh man, that beer is good. Yeah, so, yeah. all right. So this episode, we're going to talk all about how we split. How we split hives. And we've been splitting some hives. We lots of hives. We have been splitting a lot of hives. It's part we've, of the reason we haven't been podcasting also. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've doubled the size of our apiaries yeah. in this uh, past, <laughs> already this year. We're, yeah, we started, came out of winter with like 24 four or so hives and we're basically up to 50 right now bonkers so Without, we got lots of splitting experiences without 
any swarm catches without buying any bees solely from splitting our own hives mm-hmm. and a little bit of use with our queen castle. Um, shout out Montgomery County Beekeepers Association. I had a mini presentation with them a month or so ago um, where I did a presentation on how we utilize queen castles. And I put that presentation up on YouTube. So if you check out our Mind Your Hives YouTube page, we don't put a ton up there, but we did put this uh, little fifth. I think it's like 15 minutes. It's good. Um, I think it's informative. It, it uh, A lot of people have hit me up and told me they bought or made queen castles and are using them, which just makes me happy because it really is beneficial. We've killed it with queen castles the last few years. So Kara and I, we took separate notes on how we do splits, I think. Um, I really laid it out. And actually, I will have a YouTube video on a split I made um, probably about a month ago now. But... I just I brought the GoPro out into the yard one day and I was like I have a feeling we're going to do some splits and I just recorded myself doing a split and talking it out. So almost everything we're going to talk about right here soon <laughs> if you go to our YouTube page you'll be oh. able to I know I have if I relative. say it if I say it I'm going to have to do it, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's rude. Uh. Um <laughs> But uh, basically everything we're going to talk about, you're going to see me do it live. Not live. Whatever. You know what I'm saying. Do it live. Do it live. We're doing it live. All right. So we've talked on previous episodes, spring management, last year's split episode, splits episode. Um, We like to split our hives when they tell us that they're going to want to split. So when we start seeing swarm cells, that's when we split. When the bees decide that they're going to swarm, they're ready. They're like, yo, we're, we want to split them, split ourselves. And to me, that's the most natural way to make it happen for ourselves. The only problem is in the springtime, if you're not in those hives every seven, ten days max checking for swarm cells. You're missing it. You're going to miss it. So, you know, a lot of people are going to split early when they start seeing drones. They're ready to go. A lot of people are just concentrating on selling bees. So they split very early. Um, and we're the way also that we split is to grow our apiary. Um, some people don't want to split. They want to delay splitting as much as possible. They want as many bees in the boxes as you can have, which is going to lead to what they think is a higher honey output. I don't necessarily agree with that based on the numbers that we've gotten with this method of how we do it. I kind of think. I kind of. How do people delay once they make swarm cells? How are people not splitting? Well, they're just they're giving more space. Oh, oh, oh. uh, I don't. You know, you got to be on top of it though. It's it's. Oh yeah, I mean, there's the whole like demery method, and there's like you know, there's labor intensive method. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, so um, so we're looking for swarm cells. So every every once a week, um, you know, Kara and I are checking every single hive that we have not yet split. We're doing this starting like really like the first week of April, but it's weather dependent. You know, the bees are going to do what the bees are going to do. Um, so you got to be aware of the environment. Um, be aware of what's going around in the community around you when people start talking about swarms being available or swarms being uh, caught. You know, okay, it's really time to look for it. But you start seeing a lot more drones emerging. You see a lot a bigger of a drone population. Um, that's definitely a sign. Um, and the way we check for swarm cells is super, super quick. All you're doing is where there's brood, 
So if you know if you're using an excluder or something, you know you don't have to worry about the the supers. But where there's brood, we're just simply flipping the boxes. We're 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 tilting them up and we're looking underneath. And swarm cells are the bees. You know, put swarm cells on the very bottom of the frame. So if you're looking underneath the boxes from below, then you know um, they're ready. They're swarm cells. If they're making swarm, if they're making queen cells all over the place, then I would refer to that more as an emergency cell, and that situation is going to be a little bit different. And if they're making the cells in the middle of the frames, I'm going to go ahead and call those supersedure cells, and that's when they're going to replace the queen without swarming. Um, so if I'm finding cells in the middle of the frames, that's their job. They're doing their thing. That's great. I love seeing bees replace um, a, a queen. Hmm. I don't think I realize that supersedure cells are in the center of the frame. Yeah, yeah, center, top, top, middle, um, and there's way fewer of them. They'll just be like one or two. Um, that's usually yeah. happening at a different time of True. year. True. Yeah, there's like, not a lot of supersedures happening in the early spring. Yeah. You know, we're typically seeing that come. You know summer summer and or then, even like right before the fall and we got that question do we always wait for swarm cells and to split and the answer is yes what's the who is that you always remember who is the um bee scientist that said uh, uh, I, uh, yeah I don't, <laughs> I don't remember but we heard a talk a few years ago and they showed um they measured the biology some biological factors of queens um Oh, what did they measure? They measured their certain, some gland. Probably, well, I'm not going to, I don't know. But yeah, yeah they, but they they had some, some like, Quantifiable you know, data. Quantifiable data. Nice work. Thanks. Um, and it showed that uh, queens that came from swarm cells were better. Because they're choosing to do it. It's their choice, right? And I also think they're picking, the, the, you're, you're, they're picking the best eggs, like, you know, it's not an emergency situation. A lot of people do these walkaway splits, and it puts the bees in this emergency mode. And the bees will maybe make a, you know, three-day-plus-old, you know, egg that's maybe already become a larva. Maybe they've already fed it just a tiny bit of bee bread. Um, and then they, you know, go and they just feed it royal jelly. But maybe it's had a little bit of that bee bread. It's not going to end up being as good of a queen um, because they were in emergency mode. Uh, and also when bees go into emergency mode, you know, you may think that they're going to turn a day one egg into a queen. Um, but guess what? Emergency mode that day two, day three, like I just said, maybe beyond day three. And then uh, those are definitely not good queens. And those are the queens that are going to emerge first because you right. want them to do it to a day one, day one and a half egg. But if they're doing it to a day three... At day 16, that queen's going to emerge and she's going to kill all the day ones that were better queens. And that's just, that's emergency mode. A lot of, some mosquitoes, a lot of bugs flying around us right now. Listen, none of them are on us, actually, because we have Carajo bug repellent. It's true. They're flying around us, but they're not on us. Uh, This episode, like all episodes, is brought to you by Carajo Skincare and Bee Farm. For all your beauty needs. (laughs) We should work on that. Um, all right. So where was I? Stay beautiful and natural. How about that? Yeah. So swarm cells. Um, all right. So we talked about, you're going to find them on the bottom of the frames. Um, you're flipping the boxes. So, okay. Say you're, you're in a hive, you see swarm, you flip a box, you see a swarm cell. All right. Guess what? It's splitting time or at least you have to. You see a swarm cell. You see a, uh, what's it called when they have like royal jelly in it? It's. 
what's it? What do we call it? Swarm cell. Yeah, I guess. It's, I mean, there's queen cups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, there's a difference. Queen cups versus actually swarm cells yeah, so that have yeah. royal jelly in it. Well, all right. So here's the thing. Say you go into that hive, you flip underneath the box, and you know they make these um, those little queen cups everywhere, um, and you see an, a fresh egg in one. Okay, wow. All of a sudden, that's kind of a swarm cell, but I usually do not act on day one eggs in those queen cups. I've seen plenty of times the bees get rid of them, it's like the queen laid in there and the and the workers were like, yo, girl, that's not, that's not what we're doing right now. Um, I'll but I'll make a note and say, hey, come back in three or four or five days. You know, you don't want that to get to the point where it's, a you know, day nine, ten ish when they cap the cell, because as soon as they cap that cell, that's when they're going to swarm with the queen. Um, but if you see a day one, day two, you know, OK, I've got about a week max to come back and make this split before we lose a third to a half of these bees and a queen. Um, so yeah, yeah. If it's just a queen cup, I'm typically going to kind of scrape it out and I'm going to go, all right, make a note and come back in a few days. And we, I, I heard, I think that they've done, I don't know. I heard from, you know, somebody that knows some stuff. Can't remember who, uh, the queen cups are not necessarily an indication that they're going to swarm. They just make, cells just to be ready just just to empty queen cups yeah there's yeah. Uh, from that speak oh man we really should take better notes on who says things but they said there is not a <laughs> correlation between more queen cups and, and swarming um they're just prepping yeah some you know some of us are preppers <laughs> some of us are just you know fly by the seat of our panthers so okay so there was this question and i don't know we didn't talk about this did you remember the instagram question i saw you already go into it and yeah screenshot so, it, so before before we move on to how we split, the other question was, okay, let's say let's say somebody just wants to split and they don't want to wait for swarm cells. So like the question was, how do they know when the hive's big enough to split? Yeah, I don't know if I can tell you a you know quantitatively what that is. I I I'm not I don't I don't have that answer. It's also not how we do it. And, right, and I, I talk know. about it all the time. We're on, we only really try to talk about the things that we are doing. Um, we have never just like ha taken a hive and just gone like, all right, it's time to split it. I mean, you know, you can see when they're starting to get overcrowded. You can see when the population is just boomtown versus it's like, mm, they need to grow a bit more. I think it also depends on like, why do you want to split? Because if you split, then are you like, if you keep all the bees there and they're not trying to swarm, then you are reducing their numbers. You're reducing their ability to build comb and bring in honey. And so I think you have to also think about like, what are your reasons why you want to split this hive? Yeah. I mean, a lot, dude, there's so many old school beekeepers that just like come spring, they start seeing the drones popping and then they just take their boxes and they separate them and they go, all right, one box, one deep here, one deep here, done. One of them has a queen. One of them doesn't. And we that's how we're splitting. I think our last episode, um, we talked about how Jeff Eccles, our state um, inspector, said the number one issue or one number one mistake he sees beekeepers make is they split too soon because then they're susceptible to like disease and stuff. You just so. have a yes, yeah, smaller numbers overall, weaker hives, weaker hives, smaller numbers equals disease. You know, that's when pests, parasites can take over. That's when disease can take over. So, like, yeah. why do you want to split before swarm cells emerge and, like, kind of evaluate your own 
like what are your goals and why do you want to make that decision i guess yeah um all right so we've we're, we're, we're at the point in this inspection where we've seen that there are swarm cells let's just say they're day four day five you know you see the royal jelly in there you see a larva floating around okay you flip that box and you have, all right we got swarm cells now it's time Go right then right then and there you're looking for a queen everything you're doing involves looking for the queen you want to and the way again this is how we do it we take the queen with our split so we will take a split we'll take about usually five frames sometimes we'll do 10 frames but typically we're taking five frames with the queen and we're moving those bees more than two miles away and we're putting them in a different apiary or we're moving them two miles away opening them up letting them you know re-gps for 24 to 48 hours and then bringing them back, but they're becoming their own new hive, their own new colony. Um, so when you see that swarm cell, you know, okay, it's time we need to make a split. We don't want these bees to leave. And okay, fine. There's people that go, well, let them swarm. You know, those were good bees. They overwintered. Let's get those genetics in that. Here's the deal. I get it. Maybe, maybe that is something that will work, but the science on it is saying that 75, 80% of swarms don't survive a year. So you're getting rid of good genetics and you're putting them out to pasture. And then also we need to be good stewards to the environment, but also the community around us. We house millions of stinging insects. If we're letting those bees swarm, they might end up in somebody's, you know, soffit of somebody's house. Right. They might end up in a place that really is an inconveniencing. They might and end thousands up thousands of dollars for somebody. And then next thing you know, you know, you get uh, ordinances happening because so and so's aunt got stung, and that person is a policymaker. We've or, seen that happen. Exactly. Uh, just you know, one person ruffle their feathers get ruffled, and next thing you know, whole townships like nobody is allowed to beekeep because we just passed the ordinance. Um, being good stewards of the environment and or your community, I think means you try to limit swarming, try to keep the controllables controllable. Does and, that make sense? Yeah. And the reason that we bring the queen is because that's what they would do if they swarmed. So we're mimicking a swarm. Yeah, if, if exactly. If they were swarming, they would take the queen and bounce. So you know what? We're going to make a split. Let's take the queen and bounce. It works really well for us. I like, I mean, we talk about it all the time. I like trying to, you know, we're we're keeping bees unnaturally. We're keeping them keeping them in man-made boxes. We're keeping them, you know, uh, expecting that us humans can control them. Um, wow, I don't know if people could hear you just cracked your like sternum. <laughs> Holy crap, it was dude! My shoulder is so loud. Oh, I'm always jealous when people have like, I good heard back it's cracks. It's actually not a good thing, so you shouldn't cool. be that jealous. Um. But we try to be natural and try to do things that would like mimic their natural things. And I just, I like it that way. So also. If I'm, if I'm between two decisions and I, and there's not like a, sw something swaying those decisions in a particular way, I'm going to go with the more natural route. So I, I think you probably do this too because you are my bee mentor. Um, but uh, is there a mosquito on your mic. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's looking at me like, why can't I bite you? Yeah. This is weird. I would love to bite you, but I can't. <laughs> but I don't want to, but having, I do want to. We're having a moment right now. <laughs> uh, okay, so as soon as game on, swarm, like uh, split time, you're looking for the queen, but you're also looking, and I, like I'm building the nuke 
Yes. So I'm finding brood. I'm finding like pollen and nectar. And I'm building the nuke as I'm going through the boxes, as I'm looking for the queen. And it's a total time saver. Yeah. So, all right. So right then and there, you're like, hey, everything you're doing is looking for a queen. But great point, Kara. And that's my next bullet point. You're also looking... If you're if you've decided I'm going to take five frames with the queen, then you know okay, you want to get uh, emerging brood. You want to get a frame with all the capped brood, you know, wall to wall capped brood, and they're starting to emerge. You do not want to take a frame of fresh eggs. So think about it this way, right? You're about to make a, a queen. Uh, excuse me. You're about to make a hive queenless. Okay, so. A hive that's queen, queenless for too long means they're broodless. A broodless hive, that can trigger the ovaries to start popping on some of those worker bees. And, and then, next thing you know, they oh. become drone-laying workers. And that is a ticking time bomb. That is the bee. That is nature's way of destroying themselves. Um, you don't want that. Um, but if you're leaving eggs... That egg is going to take 20 days to emerge to a bee. So that means you are keeping that brood pheromones in that hive for 20 days. Um, on the opposite side, you're taking five frames, right? Or however many. But we're just going to, for the sake of this, we're we just going to always do take five nuke. frames. Yeah. yeah, a five frame nuke. Um, so, okay, you are, and we use all mediums, which this also makes like life a little easier, I think, in the circumstance because you can choose different frames and. You know, it's not like, oh, they're storing everything in the supers, but those are mediums, but we need frames of brood and those are deeps, whatever. Um, so say you're, you know, you're, you're obviously you're taking the queen, that queen's laying. So if you're only taking five frames and you're putting a frame that has fresh eggs in there, there's nothing that can happen. She can't lay in that frame for up to 21 days, Shit, 24 days if it's drones, I think. Um, so having an emerging brood, they're going to emerge, and then boom, those are uh, cells that the queen can now lay in, so she can grow. You can grow that hive even quicker. Um, when so, people, yeah. when the big battle that you have when you when you buy a nuke is that you have a laying queen, and that you've you get this nuke, you get like five frames, they're full, and then they've got to build frames out. Um, if you have built out frames already that, you know, the comb's already built, oh my God, you can take five frames with a queen on it and you can get that thing up potted to a full 10 frame, three, four, in like, you know, a month. It's so quick. Um, but just, you know, you just think about it with that queen needs space to lay. So you're going to take, we're going to take a frame that has pollen on it. We're going to take a frame that has nectar, maybe some capped honey. That's fine. And then, a frame or two of emerging brood and typically a blank frame. Usually if we have it, a frame that's built out, if not give them a frame to build on, give them something to do. Um, and that's going to be our five frame nuke right there. Done. Cause you're also taking a bunch of bees who you don't know what their jobs are. You don't know what the point they are in their life cycle. So ideally they're nurse bees. If you're taking frames that have capped brood on them. Right. But yeah, otherwise you don't, you have so no you're idea. Kinda, you, you are, somewhat disturbing the balance of oh, uh, yeah. roles as you create this nuke. Yeah, it might, you know, whatever the percentage of nurse bees to, f to guard bees to forger bees to 
clean out the dead bees to the water bees. Water bees. So yeah, that's you why you also want to make sure that you have food and you're not giving them too much to do. Like you're kind of making an easy situation for them. Yeah. So say if you gave, say you gave them a frame frames that have f- these fresh eggs on it. Those bees need to go. Oh shit! We need. Nurse bees, we need to make bee bread. We need to feed all this. We need to make royal jelly. And royal jelly is made by bees of a certain age. And you might not have the right percentage of those bees. And they they can change their roles, but they can't just snap change their roles. Exactly. It's not overnight. It's pretty close to it sometimes. So you want to hook them up. Yeah, hook them up. But yeah, if if they're capped frames with capped brood, there's nothing for them to do. But make sure they stay warm. Um, a lot of times when I do that split too, I'll, I'll find a frame of, of nurse bees and I'll just give them a shake and give them a little extra boost guaranteeing I'm, I'm putting a bunch of nurse bees in there too. But that depends. You got to look at the hive as a whole and go, man, population is looking dynamite here. I think I can steal a little, some more bees and we're going to be good. Or maybe you're like, eh, it's not the biggest population already. Let's leave the, let's leave a lot more bees and go. Um, What's nice about doing this in the spring, and man, when the timing of this works out, it works out so nice. And we just watched it. We just, it's so, what is it, May 28th? Yeah, May 28th. Uh, Yesterday, we harvested spring honey. Oh, oh my God. And I would say we only got into 10 honey hives. And each one of those, it was, they averaged more than a full box of capped spring honey, which is Killer. I think it was, we averaged 40 pounds per hive. We did like, no, it was more than it. It was like 440 pounds. It was pounds. nuts. Yeah. It was a nuts um, harvest. But you know what happens, right? So we timed a lot of these splits or the bees timed a lot of these splits. And so you take this queen, right? You take the queen, you leave everybody else except for those, you know, five frames. And all of a sudden there's all these nurse bees that are like, hey, I don't have brood to attend to. Um you know, we did our thing. There's no new eggs coming in for a little bit. So they fast track into all of a sudden becoming a lot more, they're a lot more foragers. All of a sudden they have all this space. All the, these bees have emerged. They have this space to backfill. There's no queens there to lay eggs. So they're like, hey, we got all this space. Let's fill it with nectar. And they can also build at that and time. It's a good time to add frames. They're just, all of a sudden they're just taking off and just packing the house with nectar. And now we're finding most of those hives are They've got a mated queen now. They're queen right. And we just got to to take the excess capped honey that they have. And then we take that. We extract it. We put those frames back in. Now we've just given them a full box of built-out frames that are empty that that new queen can go boomtown and lay in. And the cycle continues. It's just when you, when the timing works out right where you're ma- maximizing the number of bees becoming foragers – the I mean the results are legit. It's like, phew, this yeah. year was nice. Yeah, it's nuts. It was nuts. Um, all right, so so all right, back so to you're just looking like, for the queen. You're building the nuke. So when you're looking for the queen, what are you doing? I, we celebrate. You're looking for fresh eggs. If when you find fresh eggs, the queen is only a frame or two. You know, Up in or proximity, down or away. it might exactly it might be above, might be below, might be left, might be right. But the queen is nearby. Um, also, you want to separate the boxes because you may have to go back in the boxes and look again, and you don't want that queen to have run around. But remember, there's swarm cells. Don't just take those boxes and set one on the ground. Swarm cells grow off of the bo- grow. They grow off. Of, that sounds weird. The bees place these swarm cells on the bottom of the frames. If you just set that box on the ground, 
chances are if you got a nice juicy swarm cell, it just got squashed. Yeah, so I put them like on another box. Yeah, put another or box. Or like a shim, give them yeah. space. You know what else I do? I was wondering if you do this. So separate the boxes, right? So that you're containing the queen to one box. And then I take out a frame and I put it to the side. And then I take out another frame and I put it to the side. So at the end of each box, all of the frames are outside of the box. And then when I put it back, you probably don't need to do this. I definitely you're... don't do this. Yeah. And then when I put it back, I like che I check each frame twice for the queen. And I've been able to find her a lot quicker this season because right. and then like because each frame is separated so she's not hopping from frame to frame so each box is separated each frame is separated and i've had a lot of success with that um so yeah so take the boxes keep them separated make sure you're not squishing swarm cells you know when you flip when you look on the underside of the box you can go oh okay there's swarm cells in the middle of the box or there's swarm cells to the right side and you kind of know where to expect to find them um but just be careful. Swarm cell, they can get connected to another box. Like, you know, you want to be gentle and not mess around too much. But you're looking for the queen. You're looking for fresh eggs. You're looking for emerging brood. You're looking for a nice frame with pollen and nectar. And when you find it, separate it. I'll have a temporary nuke box sitting right there. And I go, ooh, this is a good frame. Boom, put it right in. Still haven't found the queen yet, but I know I'm going to. You have to. <laughs> yeah, I have to. Um all right, so you're setting that aside. Um, what else are you doing now? So you're looking for the queen. You're looking for those frames. Um, oh, no, you... Oh, no. Oh, no, you've come across a capped swarm cell. So a lot of times a capped swarm cell means they've already swarmed. Yeah. And that queen has left. But not always. Uh, just Just last week or two weeks ago... Found a capped cell, went, oh, no, okay, I believe this just happened. Next frame I pulled, there was a queen on there. Um, I feel like I dodged a bullet. I would, you know, that would have sucked. We would have lost a ton of bees. So, okay, you find a capped cell. Doesn't necessarily mean they're gone, but now you got to think to yourself, okay, what, what would I see if they did swarm? First things first, how's the population look? Is that population considerably lower than you would want it to be? Did Do you now, like, look back on that hive and go, Huh. When I opened it up, they're like, there wasn't a ton of bees at the top. Maybe they swarmed and they took a third of the bees with them. Although I've gone into hives where they've swarmed and I wouldn't been like, they didn't. There's no way there's yeah. so many bees. Yeah, in sometimes here. it's just because they're good. so overcrowded that that like they can take so many bees with them and you don't even know. Has the temperament of the hive. A hive that is about to swarm. So, you know, they cap that cell. They're ready to go. They're like, they're edgy. If you read Tom Seeley's Honeybee Democracy, you also know that at this time, these bees are like, this is my, my idea is better. You follow me. No, my idea is better. Follow me. And there's all this like communication and back and forth. And there's this activity going on. The temperature of the hive has raised. Things are happening. And I feel like, this whole pattern recognition thing, I feel like you, you, you see it a few times and all of a sudden you're like, ah, there's something different going on here. They're ready to go. Or you get in there and you go, hmm, this population, not that, not that huge, but it looks okay. These bees are being pretty calm. Hmm, uh-oh, might, might have an issue. Also, like, what's the egg situation in that and, hive? And, and there you go. 
is there fresh eggs? So typically in order to have that queen for, for that swarm to take that queen with them, they need to thin that queen down a little bit. She's got a big old booty. They need to thin her down so she can fly better. So she's just living, living luxury, luxurious life. Um, you know, fat and happy, but they're like, Hey, we got to thin you down. So they won't feed her a little bit. They'll thin her down. They you'll see a noticeable difference, um, before she leaves. But that also means they're not having her lay eggs. They'll stop her from laying eggs. So if you find day one eggs and capped cell, she's probably there. Yeah, she's probably there. She's probably still there. If you're not seeing any fresh eggs. Or even day three. I've never gone in, seen day three, and she was there. She's gone. Yeah. Yeah. Once those eggs start laying down turn and, and, you know, hatching into larvae. If they're uh, laying flat gone. in the cell, cell, like downwards, it's over. <laughs> yeah. And, but again, not always. You might get lucky, but, the, you know, these are the things that you got to look for. Um, because you don't want to just, you know, you're like, I'm going to make this split. I'm going to find this queen. She's not there. You're just going to bang your head against the wall forever. So you got to recognize when there's a, there's a pretty decent chance she's gone. Um, this is a good reason. We mark all of our queens. It's a red year. Our red marker has this like pretty pink tone to it. I, I love the like red. I like it a lot. Yeah. It looks good. Mark your queens. It's so easy. Although. So can. beneficial. Um, maybe every once in a while, the marking tool, you mess it up and you kill a queen. That's ah, happened to the best of us. But also, or, how many times have you squished a queen because you didn't see her because she wasn't marked and you killed her and then you get back in the hive a week later and there's emergency cells everywhere and you're like, what happened? Oh, it was because you didn't see your queen and you were rough with a frame. Or she flies away from your marking cage <laughs> the other day. That happened to me. I got her. I got her. She got marked. She got yeah. put back. Um, also, while we're doing this, I probably have yet to use smoke. I haven't been using smoke at all this year, smoke, really. Especially springtime, well, smoke's not really needed. Bees are happy. There's a nectar flow. Well, I think the big thing about smoke and making splits is when you when you use smoke and you're trying to find the queen, then it's erratic. Well, yeah, you're. It's like when you've you moved her, you've and thrown she's... a flash grenade, and the queen's like, "What's happening? I gotta run!" And the the bees are like, "Get out! Come with me!" It's like you know, shots fired, and they. Swarm the president, they so cover then, him up and they <laughs> shove him in a limo. And the know. egg, the whole follow the eggs doesn't work anymore. No. So I, if I want to sneak in there, I want to see the queen yes. doing what she's doing. I don't, I'm not announcing myself with smoke. I want, right. the, I don't want to mess up the pheromones in there. I, I'll have, I'll have smoke going. Right. Whenever I'm doing legit inspections, I'll make sure I have smoke going because. If all of a sudden I start, you know, something that starts happening, I want to be able to smoke around me and, and you know, clear the air, so to speak. But if I'm not using it right away, and as soon as I know I'm making a split, I am not using smoke. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, great call. I think also, like, people, you don't need smoke as much as you think you need smoke if you kind of let them do their thing. You don't really need smoke. That was, like, the one comment that dude made during the presentation on queen castles he was like um i noticed you didn't use smoke and i was like yeah he's like i guess i should reconsider the amount of smoke i use and he was like well are you using it just no matter what or are you using it for a specific reason and that you could tell he was like 
I just thought I was supposed to smoke every time. Yeah. You're not. We had friends come into the hives with us one time, and Greg was with one friend, and I was with the other. And I was like, oh, Kelly. <laughs> Shout you out can Kelly use. and Will. <laughs> I was like, you can hold the smoke. And she just kept smoking, smoking, smoking everywhere. And the next day, I was like, I feel like I've smoked a pack of cigarettes. I'm like, why do my lungs hurt? I'm like, Kelly, you oversmoked everything. She was like, I was so scared. Yeah, it was like her like uh, wet blanket or whatever, yeah. you know? It's it funny. You just, you just hear. I'm like, ah, oh, enough of that. Enough of that. It's like, what are you doing over there, Smokey? Smokey the Bandit. Um, So, all right. Yeah, you're looking. So, say you come across, when I come across, I'm checking right now, I come across a really good looking swarm cell. I'm going to take that frame. I'm going to set it aside. I'm going to, you know, then you're like, okay, I've got two or three frames there that have swarm cells. I feel good about them. You know, you, I don't just choose right then and there. I'll set good looking ones aside. Great question, Kara. What's a good looking swarm cell? What's a good looking queen cell? Well, not one that's like connected to another one. You don't want like a twinsy. You don't want like something grown off the end of a drone brood. I've seen that people uh, begin a mistake. This one is the biggest one. Yeah, nah, it's not about the biggest one. Most of the time, those really big ones, it's actually drone larvae in there anyway. You know what I like? I like to find a queen cell that's like kind of protected. Exactly. So when they, you put it back in. Yeah. So they'll mm-hmm. like maybe not build the frame out all the way so they can build a swarm cell at the end of the comb, but it's still like within the wood of the frame. And if it looks good, um, those are the ones I choose because um, then I can't mess it up. So say I'm in that hive. I see, I see a great nectar pollen frame. I see some emerging brood frames. I take them. I'm going to immediately put an, a replacement frame in that box. I kind well, because we've been growing our apiary for a few years now where literally we're doubling it in size every year. Um, the battle is built out frames. But I like to put in the brood boxes, I like to, when I take a frame, I like to put a blank back in. Yes, that's going to cost us a little bit of honey because they're going to need to use that energy that could be made into storing honey and use it into, you know, making beeswax. But it's kind of nice. You're taking five frames, you put five blanks in there. They've got time to build it out before the next queen shows back. You know, a new queen has made it and everything. Plus, they need something to do. Give them something to do. I, it's I, it's a really nice move. I like doing it. But if, I mean, if you've got endless supply of, of built-out frames, you pop in some built-outs in there, boom, you're good. Uh, but I like to checkerboard them in. I don't like to put blanks next to each other. I like to separate them by at least a frame, of, typically of brood. Um, and checkerboarding, it's not only left to right. So did checkerboarding, do I need to explain that? So like a blank non-built-out frame is next to a built-out frame um, and, you know, continue on. Um, but remember, it's not only left to right, it's also top to bottom. So I don't like to say it's in the five position. I don't like to have a blank one in the five position above it. I would want that in the four or, you know, the six. And the reason that you do that is because they have to travel from brood to brood. So they're traveling frame in between to frame. frames. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so they're more likely to be like, oh, we should build this out. We're traveling through by this all the time. Um, all right. So now you've you come across it, you pull a frame, and boom, you've got the queen. Oh, you do a dance. You do a dance. I am always doing a dance at that point. I'm like, yeah, girl. I'm like, oh, you looking fine. You were trying to leave. Mm. (laughs) You coming with me, girl. Um, 
so cool. You, obviously, you're taking that queen. You're setting her aside. I'm going to put her right into that nuke right box. In there. That's where she's going. If she's on a frame that's just a bunch of fresh eggs, I'm probably going to nudge her to a different frame. Uh, but not always. Sometimes, like, you know what? This is your frame. I'm going to make you feel at home. There you go. Have at it. Um, and at that point, you know, you got to think, okay, you've got some swarm cells that you feel good about that are set aside. You found the queen. You've built a box for her. Um, now it's let's just make sure there's not an overwhelming number of swarm cells. So, you know, you want to make flip some more boxes if you need, if you need to, to see if there's swarm cells. If there are, cut them out or, you know, again, if it's a really good looking one, set it aside. All right. So wait, at this point, this is where we might differ. Um, you just flip boxes at that point. Like I'm pulling every frame of every. It, so I guess we're going to go back in anyway. Well, okay, I'll get to that. Not necessarily, yeah. but probably. Um, if I find her on the first pull in the top brood box, chances are that second box is going to be full of swarm cells. And right. I'm going to need to pull it anyway. So I'm probably going to check some of those frames no matter what. Say I find her in the second box. I've already, you know, I know there's not much more, many more swarm cells in there. I'm going to take care of them. The, the bottom box doesn't have a lot of swarms. The bottom box is less likely to have swarm cells. Yeah, I would I've say, that too. I don't know, if we've done 20 splits, like one of them has had swarm cells in the bottom box this year. It's pretty rare. If there's, if you have screen bottom boards, it's even less likely. Um, so a lot of times I won't bother with worrying about the bottom huh. box. I'll just flip it up, make sure I don't see any, put it right back down, it, and we're good. It's funny because you're so much faster than me. I'm like so slow. I mean, I'm getting faster, but I just do different things that slow totally slow me down. But it's working. But I, I think just as I keep going, I've been in so many hives this year that it's just yeah more and more practice. You're, but you're progressing at a way faster rate than previous years. And we talked about it. Like if you have two hives and you're inspecting each one of those hives once a week, you know, that means you're doing what eight hive inspections a month. If you have 10 hives and you're inspecting them once a week, all of a sudden you're looking at 40 hive inspections per month. Did I do the math on that? Right? I wasn't even trying to do the math, um, on it. <laughs> but it's just such a crazy difference. Like, you would you essentially can do a season's worth of inspections in a, a couple of weeks, right? When you have yeah. ten versus when you have one or two, yeah. And the amount of things you're seeing and the amount of comfort you're building—that's the thing. It's, it's like the comfort you're building. I'm like, oh, am I doing this right? Should I do this? Yeah, yeah. And you know, you get through a couple seasons of just seeing a lot of bees, and all of a sudden you're like, man, okay, I feel like I've seen a lot. I feel more comfortable in every circumstance. And I think it's a lot of, you talk to like old school beekeepers and you ask them a question and they answer it like, duh. And you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You've seen this like 50 times, haven't you? You know, I remember the first time we had a, a queenless hive come, in, come out of winter. And we're, I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. There's not laying, they're, they're not drone layers or, you know, drone laying uh, workers. Like I've put in a frame of eggs and they're not turning them into queen cells. Like there must be a queen, but there's no eggs. And this does, this just doesn't make any sense. And sure enough, my, the mentor at the time goes, yeah, you must've had a queen die over winter, like, or, or early in the spring and you have a virgin. She's, 
she hasn't been able to get mated yet. Like hasn't had good weather and that virgin's still hanging around. They're not going to make new queen, but also she hasn't been mated properly and in time. So she's not going to be a good queen. You got to uh, find yeah. the virgin. And then I was like, game on man. It's photo hunt time. Sure enough. Next time I was in there, found a virgin queen. It's like, and he goes, yeah, you know, I've only seen it like 10 or so times, but it happens. It's like, I wouldn't have thought in a million years that they made a virgin queen in the end of winter, you know? But there it is. (laughs) I just caught Karen an awkward, like making a blanket for herself. Not making a blanket. I'm just moving a blanket around myself. Um, It's dark out. All right. So let's see. You, we will. Okay. So you now have some queens, some swarm cells on frames set, set aside. Um, I am going to leave two. Never going to leave more than three. Maybe I leave three. Typically never going to leave one. Two is my, my thing. The two best that I like the most. And the best also could mean, like Kara said, it's the ones that fit nicer. The ones that I know will, will be, you know, good. I try to keep them the two frame. I try to keep two different frames. I don't, I don't even like two on the same frame, two different frames. I put them next to each other and I'm going to put those back into the top brood box. Because it's easier to find that way. Come back to. Easier to find. I'm going to mark. I'm going to do a little scrape action on the top of the frame so I can just look in the hive and go, that's where they are. Um, and I'm going to put those back. So no matter where they came from, they're they're going to end up in the top brood box. Um, and like Hare said, that's because now I know when I need to go back in. So say I, I go that. All right. That's a day. They're day five, give or take cells so that means there's royal jelly there's the larva that's getting a little fat the 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 size has grown it's not just a queen cup it's getting a little bigger um i know i've got 10 11 12 days before she should emerge as a virgin queen so i'm going to put in my notes i always put uh day four ish day five cell expected emerge and i'll put a date you want to say it's a really early, say it's like a day two, day three, right? You may, by cut, by taking that queen and cutting out other cells, you may put them into emergency mode where they go, we need to make a bunch of queen cells now. Most of the time I've found that that's the for, case. For, especially for early yeah. swarm cells, meaning they're not very developed yet. Um, in, to ensure that not too many queens emerge and all of a sudden you've got virgin battles and you've got and they will go nuts and bit like the fight each other so many queens and that you could have a you could have secondary and tertiary and whatever you could have have these virgin swarms happen when there's too many virgins that have emerged um but if you go back say you go okay you've taken the queen you know that there's no more eggs going to be laid so you go, okay, I'm going to go back in five or six days. You go back in five or six days and you look and you'll f- just be able to cut out all the bullshit cells. Inevitably, made. yeah. You know, and sometimes they don't make any. If you get a cell that's, you know, day um, seven or eight, you know, it's right before it's capped. Maybe they've already shut that queen down from laying. She's not laying much anyway. Um, or maybe they're like, oh, we're expecting her to leave any day now, no matter what. You take her, they might not make a single other cell. And if I'm if I'm taking if I'm making a split in that circumstance, I might not go back into that hive until 
a few days after I would expect her to emerge, or I might just go ahead and give them till two weeks after expected emerge and go back and see if there's signs of a queen eggs, see if I can find her, you know, it all depends on what you have time to do. Ideally, I'm going to go back a couple days later and I'm going to look at those frames and I'm going to see, is there a properly chewed out cell? You know, so you find that queen cell, the swarm cell on the frame that you marked, you look at it. Does it have a nice chewed out circle on the bottom? If it does, you feel, all right, cool. There was a proper emergence. You know, if you, if you go in there, you see a proper emergence, but then you see oh, swarm cells, queen cells, emergency cells all over the place. You're like, uh, uh Oh, what happened here? Do I, are there others I need to cut out? You know, are there? And then you got to pull every frame because they can be anywhere on the frame. We've gone in and caught like five, six virgins before. <laughs> you hear piping. It's a fun game of find the virgin. Greg queen. is a queen finding master. It's so fun. I love it. Uh, shout out photo hunt at the ball in the bars of Baltimore. I don't know. I played 20s. a lot of photo hunt. I'm not as good as you are. Yeah. Well, I'm getting better though. Getting I, better. There's levels of how good you are at photo hunt. I mean, I'm, I think I'm pretty good, but. Chris Rataby, shout out Chris, getting married this summer, going to his wedding in a couple weeks. Chris Rataby is like a ninja grandmaster photo hunt player where I would, if he was behind me, I would be so nervous because he would just be reaching over like, found it, found it, found it, found it. <laughs> uh, yeah, he gave me a complex. Uh, he would be so good at finding queens. Um, what else? Okay, so yeah, yeah. So go back and cut out cells. Um, this is hard to explain, but understand B math and B, you know, the, the, the 16 days you have from egg to emerge for a virgin or for a, a queen, um, say you go back and the, f the swarm cells that you marked that you liked haven't been capped yet. Right. And then you see there's these other cells on there that have been capped. Then you know, oh, they made a queen. They In an emergency situation, they made a new queen cell from an egg that was older than the ones that we liked. That is a bad situation. Cut those out. Keep the younger. By keeping the younger, you kind of are guaranteeing that they were a younger egg. Um which is better because you, you know, the first three days an egg is only fed royal jelly, right? Is the first three days for all eggs? Yeah, I think that, I think so. A queen then is only ever fed royal jelly. A worker at day three, day four is fed bee bread, pollen. Um, you don't want your queens to have been given pollen at all. Makes for a genetically inferior queen. So, it's hard, it's, it's hard to explain, and I remember this presentation and being like, man, that is such a good point. If you find an older cell, cut it out. It might not be as good of a cell that was being turned into a queen. I, yeah, it makes sense. But, you know, stick with the ones that you liked anyway. That's good advice because I think there could be a propensity to be like, oh, this one's capped, and it's going to merge sooner. So why don't I keep that one and not this one? So that's good advice. So then, yeah, I'm closing up shop. I'm marking those frames. I'm closing things up. I'm, I typically put a piece of tape on the top of that hive, and I write with my one of the previous year's paint pens that I mark queens with. I write split, the date, day four cell in you know, top brood box. 
uh, and I'm, I'm out, you know, and then I'm taking that split and moving it to another bee yard. So another question on Instagram is, okay, you don't want to move your bees. You want to keep them in the original hive. How do you do that? And I think, well, one is we've done, we've done it. We've done it, but also we just ask our friends, can we bring a nuke to your house for, for like two o- days overnight? Yeah, and like it's not a lot of bees. I don't know where people are living though, so that can right. be kind of complicated. Yeah, um, I mean, you want to typically go more than two miles. It resets their GPS. If you move them two miles, you open them up during the day. The next, you know, come back the next night, close them up, bring them back. You can put them right next to the original hive and you're totally fine we did do that whole like put a bunch of grass in the front and like have them so reorient themselves but we also had failures with that yeah here's the thing nurse bees aren't going to leave foragers other bees water collectors whatever they're going to leave and go back to their original hive in that in that circumstance so if you feel really confident you got a lot more nurse bees the nurse bees they're going to stay with their brood um but if you don't know, you got a bunch of forgers, they might leave. So maybe you're stuck in a situation. You close them up. I would close them up for probably 48 hours. In the shade, though? <laughs> Make yeah, sure right. they're not getting beat. And, and hopefully this is springtime. It's not crazy hot yet. Um, but I would close them up for 24 at least, maybe 48 hours. And then when I open them up, I would make it so that they had to kind of, they had an obstruction in their way. So they couldn't just fly right out the entrance. They fly out right out the entrance without anything bothering them. They're going to leave and go like, all right, cool. I'm going to go back home. And they're not going to go back to where you just had them. They're going to go, you know, if it was under two miles away, they're going to go back to their original home that they, you know, their GPS is is stuck on. Um, If you give them something that they have to like work around, they kind of go, you know, these are the conversations I've had with the bees. They're like, oh, something's <laughs> different. I guess we should maybe, like, look at the sky a little closer. Are they stoner bees? Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I picturing the turtle and finding Nemo? It's like, hop on board, man. He knows where he's going. The turtle's awesome. Uh, but that's a great question. So you could, yeah, you could make this split, make sure heavy on the nurse bees, you know, seal them up. Make him make it something a little hard to get out of the hive and good, but then make sure you go back and you check to make sure that the, not too many bees have left, you know, a few days later, make sure that population's there. And you can always feed those, you can always put in, you know, frames of emerging brood, you can always shake in some nurse bees. We view our apiaries as like these kind of, you know, a hive mind where the, the different hives are also helping each other too. It's so much easier that way. Yeah. Getting helped. Any other questions that you had no, on Instagram? That was it. I think, I mean, that's our deep dive into how we split hives. I don't know what that split is called. You know, you hear different terms. I have no idea what that split is called. I also am blown away that uh, most of the time when I talk to people, they go, oh, you take your queen when you make a split? We leave ours and we take swarm cells. All right. News to me. I don't know. This just made sense to me. Nobody ever taught us how to do this. This is all just our experience. Our first year teacher never once suggested this as a type of way to split. Hmm. But the big thing this does, you're moving the queen. That means you're not losing the queen. Right, right. If you take take cells and you leave the queen, you're risking that you missed cells. You're risking that those bees are like, we're in swarm mode. We're making new swarm. 
you you're risking a lot. It's so easy to miss cells too. They're oh, like all so over, easy. especially if there's so many bees and you think you got everything, but yeah. then they're I foundationless. Mean, yeah, you take comb, the queen. You, it's even crazier. Yeah, I think. Um, Kara, there is a segment that we've been doing. Do we have enough time for it? Let's rock know. it out. We're we're a little under an hour, so you've okay. got a few minutes. All right. So the um, Kara Joe Herb Corner. So yeah. Kara is studying. A, she's on a two year course to become an herbalist. Uh, in this badass program, and she is just constantly blowing my mind with different herb facts and herb knowledge. So uh, we said, stop telling me and start telling the audience on this podcast. <laughs> So well, I think you carriages herb. One. We need like a theme song. Re- listeners out there, why don't you hit us with a carriage herb corner theme song? I love that. Yeah. Are you gonna do something right now? No. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. All right. So um just I I am learning all of this stuff and it's so fascinating and it's so science based and and then I talk to people about it, and they're like, I don't know about that thing. You might be a little bit weird. Crack a beer and sit and listen to Carajo Herb Corner. Like, and I'm just, I'm always surprised when people are like, I, I don't know about plants. I don't know about the healing property of plants. And I'm like, okay. Um, and I know, that seems more normal than the I healing know. properties of like chemically well, made medicine. Well, <laughs> like, and a lot of the, a lot of our plants. medicine, it comes from the constituents of plants. And yeah. so, or like mimicking the compounds that came yeah. from the original plant. Yeah. And, and also the herbalists that I know aren't saying only do plants and don't do Western medicine. Like it's totally a combination of both and supporting each other. And herbalism has, um, Life ain't so black and white, yeah, folks. Yeah, herbalism has strengths where Western medicine doesn't, and Western medicine has strengths where herbalism doesn't. So um, I just thought about how people are skeptical, but I think that's rooted in our like our disassociation with nature and the fact that human beings are nature and we're animals and we think that I mean, we're I separate. I, I don't want to get on a conspiracy rant, but I think the drug companies have tried to ingrain in our brains that natural is like lesser. And and, and the thing is, is like it is weaker sometimes and it is stronger sometimes. Like it's not one or the other. So I thought of these um, two examples of how, okay, so like the question is, well, how do we even know? Like, how do we even know that that's good? Like, how did we ever know that that's good? Like, how does anybody know that um, California poppy can help us sleep better and that black Rem- cohosh can help us, like, remove our bad dreams? It remi- oh, that's a good one. Uh, it reminds me of that, that person on our question and answer episode that was like, why should I trust you? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't know, man. So, um, but, like, animals are herbalists like animals have been practicing herbalist insects bees practice herbalism the first time i saw sorry i keep interrupting you but the first time i saw like the animals it was one of the planet earth animals that like are herbalists was one of the planet earth's earths where they said um when these elephants are lacking a certain mineral they'll dig their Mm. trunks like 40 inches into the ground because that's where the this mineral lies and it's like, wait, what? They just know they're lacking a mineral, and then, and then we get chickens, 
And they're like, yeah, just like have some eggshells and some uh, oyster shells out. Like if they need calcium, they'll go and get it. It's like, how do they know that this is calcium and that this is what they need? But they guess what? They well, do. It's, it's because of coevolution. It's because of all of these things. And we're so removed from it. So here's two examples of that. First, I'll start with not be things. Um, so 20 years ago, Jane Goodall, everybody knows Jane Goodall, right? The the ape woman. Everybody knows Jane Goodall. Yeah. If you don't, I don't know. You need to do some Googling. She noticed, she was like studying these um, apes and she's she notices that they have leaves in their poop that's not chewed. And a certain type of leaf is not chewed over and over again. Jane Goodall just digging through ape <laughs> You can picture what a, it. What a life. Yeah, she loves it. And uh, I'm totally going to butcher this. But so that's 20 years ago she notices this. And just kind of in more recent years, they discover, they're watching these apes and they discover, um, I think it was in Africa, that these apes in the morning upon waking are going to search out this aspilia bush. It's like a yellow flower, skinny little leaves. And they'll walk like 20 minutes to go find this. Some of them will go walk 20 minutes to go find this a bush. And upon finding the bush, they'll close their lips and they'll hover their lips over unplucked leaves of this bush. And they'll do it leaf, leaf, leaf until they find leaves that they deem acceptable. And then they'll, um, they'll pluck these leaves and then what they do, and they'll do up to like 30 leaves they found. They'll take the leaf and they'll roll it. My kind of ape. <laughs> and they'll put it in their mouth and they'll move it around their mouth for like, I don't know, like 15 seconds. And then they swallow these leaves whole. Okay. And that's why she was finding it in their poop hole. And upon investigating these leaves, they found that the leaves have antibacterial properties where they kill bacteria. And, but it needs to be like macerated or like, um, like uh, bruised. Yeah, sure. Before, like, for it to release the phytochemicals yeah, yeah, yeah. for this to happen. So, if they chew the leaf, the, the, those properties get released in their mouth. These antibacterial properties get released in their mouth. But if they swallow, if they roll it up and swallow the leaf, and, and something that we as humans, like, we just like inhale our food, but the first part of digestion is I feel, really. I feel judged right now. <laughs> you do swallow. You inhale. I feel um, <laughs> like you're really calling me out. I on wasn't. This. You are calling yourself out. Okay. Right I see what it is. Uh, so the first part of our digestion is not only chewing, but also our, our uh, saliva is like breaking down everything. So they're starting to break it down, but they're not chewing it. They swallow it. And then the stomach, the churning in the stomach and the stomach acid is then doing the job. And all of that antibacterial um, properties is being released in their gut. Where they needed it to, where for the bacteria. Yes. What? Yes. I love it. Like, what? Yeah. 
So And we're so smart because we I understand know. each other's speech. Do we even understand each other's speech? Not I don't that think last we do. I said, that's for sure. <laughs> so that's just a, an ape and and they they know. They, they know, know and it's been passed down and they they're in tune and we're just out of tune. And if you think about bees, Bees, they're building propolis and they're using all of this, you know, bee bread to feed their young the healthiest way that they can. And even understanding like artificial pollen versus real pollen and the whole um, idea of like when people were the caffeine and the coffee and they did like science and bees were going to the coffee and it was helping their short-term memory, but it was also like kind of addictive. Like it's the, it's the, I think it's called zoo pharma, like zoopharmological or something like that. Um, but animals and insects are herbalists and they're using herbal medicine. So just the skepticism around humans, I yeah. think it's just like a shallow, arrogant, ignorant, Sorry if I'm being harsh, but get like, on the pedestal. I get on no, one at least I, once no, an episode. Not a, not. I'm not even getting on a pedestal. Pedestal. I think like we just need to like open up our minds and realize that we don't know everything, and like look at these animals and these insects around us that are using. Like we've co-evolved with all this stuff, and we want to be like, nah. I think you're weird and crunchy. Like, no. <laughs> just because I like to like. Hover my mouth around flowers sometimes and then roll them in my in my tongue and then swallow them whole. I'm not a hippie. <laughs> so I just I think that's, that's really a good interesting. One. I, I dig it. Yeah. Um well if you got this far You're a rock star. You're a rock star. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you sorry, liked our night sound. <laughs> sorry it's been so long. I hope you enjoyed some of the owls in the background. Um please check us out at Care Joe Skincare. Kara with a K, Joe, J-O, um, KaraJoeSkincare.com. Our Ooh, honey's we have available. a new fa- like a propolis oh, face bomb that's killer. It's called, it's called Restore and Protect. It's a face bomb with propolis. Guys, it's it so is, good. It's, it's really so good. like propolis. We know all of the good things about propolis. Like It's so good. It really is. It really is. Um, and, you, you know, we had to infuse out. propolis in a certain way. And we're fortunate for some of your mentors that helped us to be able to do that. And I think you nailed this recipe. Yeah. I mean, that was us. But you yeah. helped me. Check out Carajo Skincare. Carajo Bee Farm on Instagram. Um, Carajo Skincare on Instagram. Get the bug repellent. I'm making more. We're, uh, we'll put this uh, the, We'll put this on YouTube soon. Um, and, yeah. and the Queen Castle on YouTube. Mind your hives on Instagram, obviously. And maybe next time we do a podcast. We'll, we'll have, have some fun. big news for you. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> All right. Thanks again, y'all. We appreciate you. Peace.